we look at this first reading and we get this sort of synopsis of what happened that led up and then, of course, how it played out with the Babylonian exile, right? So the, we're going through a period of time where, or we're looking at a period of time where the God's people were not faithful to him. They were, they were disobeying, not considering, completely ignoring his law. Now remember that when God made a covenant with, with his people through Abraham and continued that covenant, part of that covenant would be that they would follow his commands. And he continued, of course, to give them his law. And this was an act of love that God would actually share with them how he wanted them to live. And there were times when they were very faithful to the law, and there were times when they were not. And leading up to the Babylonian exile, they were very unfaithful. And we're told that because of this infidelity, God punished them and, and allowed the Babylonians to take them into exile. Now back then, one of the things we have to understand about, about of course, the Old Testament is is there, there's sort of a rudimentary understanding of God's will. Basically, if it happened, God did it. So God made us go into exile. So therefore, God must have punished us by sending us into exile, and therefore we deserved it. That's sort of the, the understanding that the Jews had. Now, as time went on, they, they began to have a much more nuanced understanding of, of how God operated. That there was a difference between God, God's sovereign will and his permissive will, that God would cause certain things to happen directly, but he would also allow certain things to happen indirectly. And so when we look at even the Babylonian exile and, and attributed to the reason why they went into exile or they were sent into exile, taken into exile, I suppose we could say, well, God caused it, but that's probably not what happened, given, given the, the principalities of, of the area and the centrality of, of the promised land as being sort of overrun by all these different nationalities, nations. But it's probably more that God allowed it. And what I would like to get to here is though that their infidelity to God's law is attached to still, even if he didn't cause directly their captivity, is still directly a, a component of them ending up in exile, their infidelity. In other words, when, when we're unfaithful to God and his law, there's a punishment that comes necessarily by people not following, not living a godly life. There's a punishment that happens Sometimes they don't even recognize it in the moment. Sometimes it's years later they look back and they can see, well, I wasn't faithful to God. My life went off the rails. I was a mess, right? And so there's a certain uh, punishment that God allows, as it were, because of that infidelity. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, is there anyone else here besides me who uh, basically always has to learn the hard way? <laughs> You know when you have a kid that has to learn their heart, you can tell them over and over, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, but you can see it in their eyes, they're still gonna do it. And after a while, you just figure out that kid's gotta learn the hard way. There's nothing I can do to tell them. 
They, they won't follow my will as a parent, you know. They won't follow your will no matter what you tell them. They're going to do what they're going to do. And then the consequences will fall where they may. And that's just how it's going to be. I think this is one, one understanding that, that helps, or one way of looking at it that we can understand how this works with our infidelity to God or, you know, the Israelites' infidelity to God or our culture's infidelity to God that he's, he told them in the Old Testament over and over and over, come back to me, come back to me, be faithful, be faithful. They wouldn't do it. And so they ended up, because of their turning away from God, they ended up in captivity. And this is what happens to so many of us as well. It's not that we don't know the truth. It's not that we don't know the law. It's not that we don't know God's commands. We even uh, ha- you know, can sort of intuit them naturally, what good is and what evil is. And yet, there are times that we still choose what is evil. And because of those choices, we end up truly in a kind of captivity. And we experience a a sort of punishment from that, that just naturally comes from turning away from God. There's many people today, I think, because I've, I've had plenty of conversations. There's, there's plenty of people, certainly in our parish and, and you know, around the world, who lament the times we live in. What has become of our culture? What has become of our nation? What has become of Western civilization? There's sort of a commonality that, that many godly people share, looking at our culture and saying, you know, we've gone off the rails. We're no longer listening to God. And this can bring with it a lot of frustration, anxiety, hopelessness, helplessness. Is God ever going to help us? Is God ever going to fix it? Is he ever going to punish those bad people who are taking a, continuing to take us off? the? You know, all of that stuff. A lot of consternation. And we see it happening more and more because as godly people, when we look at the culture becoming less and less godly, there's naturally this conflict, this tension, and it becomes more and more and more pronounced between those who are seeking to follow God's way and those who are not. And so we, I think, wonder, what can we do? Because I I see a lot of people getting really stirred into anger and helplessness, and resentment, and what can we do? Well, just a a few ideas. I'm sure we could think of plenty, but just a few ideas. The first one is we need to strive, it sounds obvious, but we need to strive to do the best that we can individually to be faithful to God. There's a value not just, of course, for ourselves, for following God's laws and his ways, but there's a value for other people witnessing that example. We don't have to get up on a soapbox and and yell at people about it. We can just be an example of goodness, of love, of charity. There's a a great value in that. You know, and actually it's it's, uh, so many times, I'm so proud to be your priest, and uh, one of them is, you know, our diaper drive, which by the way, moms, that is not a take from pile. (laughs) 
That's a leave it there pile. But you know, there's gonna be so many moms, so many moms who are gonna know that St. Thomas More, that, that we loved them and their babies. And we don't know them, we'll never meet them. But the amount of love that comes from that is, is just amazing, it's fantastic. We should, ne we should never undervalue that sort of charitable activity. It's, it's wonderful we're doing that. So don't forget your diapers next week because it's the last week. Um, so we can, we can manifest acts of charity, right? And, and we can become goodness in the world as the world continues to leave goodness behind. The next thing we can do is understand that we are relatively powerless. Every time I get frustrated with, with the world or even the church, I just blame God. <laughs> That's what I started doing a while ago. I say, it's your fault, you did it. And it's true, it's his fault ultimately. That's actually good theology if you look at St. Thomas Aquinas. He's the one who started it all. So from my perspective, he's the one who's gotta fix it. Not me, I can't fix it. I can barely fix myself. You know me long enough to know that's true. We can barely fix ourselves. It's the, the best we can do to, to sometimes get through a day, let alone the rest of our families, our family members, fix the world. And yet, I think we get, you know, we, we watch the news and we watch other media and we, we might get really, really frustrated. So the second thing I think we need to recognize is do what we can do. You know, be honest about the influence we have. We don't have influence over everything. But you know, we have influence right here. We have influence in our community and in our families. Worry about what we can actually have some effect on. That's how the world changes. The world doesn't just, isn't, right, and we know this, the world isn't just gonna magically get better. The reason it is the way it is, it all goes back to the family. You know, why do people think the way they think they grew up in a family? And that's what they were taught to think. If we want to affect real change in the world, it starts in our families, in our churches. That's where it begins, and that's what we can control. And there's a great effect that we can have. And the, the third one is, it goes back to what I said about God. It's his job. It's his job to make sure the, the church is okay or the, the world is okay. It's his job to figure it out. It's not our job. And one of the things that we, we, we really need to pay attention to is that gospel. The Lord did not come to condemn the world. Jesus came to save it. He looks out on this world and he, he looks out on our sinfulness, our failures, our individual failures, and then just sort of collectively, you know, maybe like a, a loving parent who sees their child kind of go astray. And as, as a father, you never stop loving your child who's, who's you know, gone off in the wrong direction, you never stop loving. You keep hoping they come back. And you give every opportunity to get them back knowing you can't force it. But all it takes is for them to turn around a little bit and you welcome them back with open arms. This is how our God is. So let us never forget the mercy he has for us 
that we need to be people of mercy as well. Every single one of us have, have failed and sinned, but it's okay as long as we turn back to him who is the font of mercy. And he forgives us always. How many times? Always. Lord, I keep doing this. How many times are you going to forgive me? As long as you keep doing it and asking. How is it possible? He's perfect. He's God. And not only does he want to have mercy on us, but he wants to have mercy on, you know, all the bad people as well. All the people messing up the world. He wants them to know his mercy also. If we're people of mercy and we extend mercy to others and we pray for mercy, I, I do believe amazing things can come from that. Please stand.